AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Feeder cattle erupted like Vesuvius, while corn futures kind of acted more like a molehill. We'll start with a wide view and then dial in on marketing and strategy as we peer into the holiday season ahead. Live from an oatmeal cookie kind of day via Farm Journal Broadcasting, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, it's a concert conversation with Andy Schlissler from SNW Trading. Directly following the news, Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. I'm Michelle Rook from AgDTV. And now filling in for Chip is Davis Michelson. Hey, hey, hey. Wow. Hello, Michelle. Welcome, hey. everyone, to AgriTalk. Michelle, Good it's so great to you. have you here. Yeah. The thing is, this morning, uh, you were acting as the host, and I was the uh, the news guy. And this afternoon, we're, we're flipping the script here uh, in Chip's I absence. I like this better. Yeah. You like this better? I like this better, yes. I don't know. I... <laughs> You did an excellent job this morning. You walked through Thank you. A, a ton of topics. In fact, we may take some time in the fourth segment this afternoon yet and just sort of go over the, um, some of the things that you talked about. Because it's a big deal. I mean, there's some USMCA stuff in there, some dairy, uh, is it TRQs and whatnot uh, with Canada, ethanol stuff. I mean, the list was long this morning. And yep. here we are in the afternoon. Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so maybe we'll get a chance to talk about some of that later on in the fourth segment. Listeners, if you didn't get a chance to listen, uh, there's a lot in there. Uh, lots of stuff to listen to in this morning's edition of AgriTalk. Uh, Chip is traveling to, oh, help me, Michelle. Milk Business is it, is, Conference. Is it Milk Business now? Okay. Yeah, milk, milk Business milk Conference business. out in Las Vegas. Now, there's one thing about Chip. You just you just never know when he goes out to Vegas if we're going to get him back, Michelle. I don't know what your <laughs> schedule looks like for the next several years, but we okay, may. Okay, I'll clear it. <laughs> we may need to talk. Well, uh, I always so, say anybody involved with marketing kind mm-hmm. of is in the gambling business anyway, so it's kind of in his <laughs> blood already. Yeah, that's right. Well, and anyone who gambled on uh, feeder cattle shooting higher today is certainly uh, doing well this afternoon. I, Absolutely. I, I'm surprised it can even go $8.25 higher in the January contract. There's got to be a limit in there somewhere. I don't know. We've got Andy Schisler from SNW Trading. Um, Andy and I are going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff. As I said in the intro, we'll, you know how I do, a wide view, and then we'll just sort of dial in on marketing and strategy and talk about maybe what these holidays have to tell us and the, uh, the months following. Um, with that, Michelle, uh, let's go okay. ahead and get to today's news, please. You bet. Well, wheat futures posted some solid gains today on a weaker U.S. dollar plus some corrective buying, which was certainly long overdue. We were very oversold. Mm -hmm. Russian officials are threatening to ban grain exports should the country's stocks fall to a designated level. December SRW closed above initial resistance by a fair margin, although global competitiveness will likely temper buying enthusiasm. March HRW wheat futures were 21 and a quarter cents higher at 617 and three quarters. March 
Digest, our W wheat gained 11 cents to 572, and March spring wheat closed at 713 and a quarter. That was up 13 and a half on the day. And I'll believe Russia is going to ban grain exports when I see it. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, you know, you don't know what to wish for here because obviously we would love for our wheat producers to enjoy some tasty, hefty profits here in the holiday season, but this market has shown that it will price itself out of global competitiveness. Oh, yeah. New contract lows, though, yesterday. So, man, if we're not uh, cheap enough yet, I don't know how much lower mm -hmm. we have to go. Exactly. Corn, well, maybe we can find yeah. out from Schistler. Yes. Yeah, we'll ask. Corn futures were under some mild pressure with the lead month December contract bearing the brunt of the price pressure. Technical pressure at corn futures on the run for the fourth consecutive day today, and actually that December contract hit a three-year low. Now, USDA reported corn harvest was 96% complete as of Sunday, 1% ahead of the five-year average. December futures dipped below initial support this morning, but did recover to trade just a shade above that pivotal level. But March corn futures, one in three quarters cents lower on the day at 473 and a half may corn down three quarters at 486 so not the best day especially when the rest of the complex was screaming higher well yeah and we've got the july at 495 down just a quarter of a penny here um i'm not sure what to make of this i'm sure andy schistler has plenty of opinions Oh, you bet. Now, soybean futures were higher in today's trade on corrective buying, as well as those ongoing concerns regarding Brazilian weather. Dr. Michael Cordonier left his Brazilian soybean production estimate unchanged, noting a neutral to lower bias going forward. Also adding support, USDA reported daily soybean sales of 123,300 metric tons, or about four and a half million bushels, for those of you wanting to do the conversion. That was for this marketing year. January soybeans pushed above resistance at 13.38 and above the 100-day moving average of 13.47 and a quarter, although the contract did fail to close above that mark. January beans were 16 and three quarters higher on the day at 13.46 and a half. March beans gained 16 and a half to 13.64 and three quarters. Yeah, and I've got the May at 13.78 and a quarter, up 16 and a half today. Uh, I want to talk to uh, Andy Schistler about some of this crush capacity expected to come online. Lots to get to with the soybeans. How'd the cotton do today, Michelle? March cotton, that was 34 points higher at 79.60 for the day. All right. And following, do you want me to do livestock? Yeah, let's go on. Okay. Following a string of recent sharp losses, fat cattle futures firm today on corrective buying, although cash market fundamentals still favor the downside. We did have some 175 cash reported today down in Kansas and Texas, incidentally. Mm -hmm. December live cattle futures firm 287 and a half to 171.65. Feb added four bucks to close at 172.82 and a half. And Jan feeders rocked $8.25 higher at 21.2105. Lean hog futures also a combination of corrective buying and wholesale price strength. These hogs were 105 higher, 68.92 and a half. Feb hogs gained 210 to close, 69.02 and a half. Michelle Rook, thank you for being here today. Let's you bring bet. in Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. Mr. Bennett, dude, um, I, I would have figured $8.25 would have been over the daily trading limit. I don't even know in feeders anymore. <laughs> yeah, you would have thought. And after yesterday, I think there was a lot of nervous folks, but uh, mm -hmm. obviously a little bit of a rebound here today. Nice to see both fats and feeders head higher. I know there's a lot of rumors circulating about what's going on with the uh, recent weakness, but uh, bottom line is uh, maybe the flush out's uh, over with for the time being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like the hogs 
and the cattle almost have the same setup. Like, cattle wish they had the setup of hogs. Corrective buying and wholesale price strength in the hogs. We had some corrective buying, just not so much the uh, the cash market fundamentals underneath. No, not necessarily. You know, in all honesty, I still think that uh, the, you know, two straight cattle on feed reports that, uh, you know, were high numbers. The second one wasn't near as surprising as the first one, but uh, not overly friendly, uh, you know, as far as total numbers are concerned. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I've talked about this several times, you know, the total uh, herd size uh, here in the U.S. is is, uh, is getting pushed, uh, it's brought forward, if you will. And I think that your herd size is going to grow or get, get smaller uh, due to the fact that these cattle on feed numbers are so strong. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, personally, I think on down the road, you could see some awfully low numbers. But uh, for the time being, I think the trade feels very comfortable with uh, this uh, lighter tone that we've seen over the last several sessions. Matt, <clears throat> Matt Bennett from agmarket.net. It was a brief conversation, but informative. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, your pal, Davis Michelson here on AgriTalk behind the big green leafy microphone in Chip's stead. Chip will be back tomorrow morning um, from, from sh- shiny, sparkly. I don't know. what If you put shiny and sparkly together, what word does it make? We'll ask Chip when he gets back tomorrow. My guest, Andy Schisler today. There's there's lots to talk about. I've got Michelle Rook here along with me. Everything's great. Uh, I hope you're having a great day, too. Glad you decided to spend some time with us here on AgriTalk. It's your pal, Davis Michelson. Don't go away. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. In fact, AgriTalk is live right now. Well, unless you're listening later, then it's not. It was. But it is right now. Thanks for joining us. Glad you uh, glad you opted to turn your radio dial or your preferred digital device to pick up our signal. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Michelle Rook joins. She's in the wings. Um she was playing the role of the handsome newsman today, and I'll be playing the role of Chip. Um, Chip will be back tomorrow morning with highlights from Vegas, and uh, it's going to be great. It's very exciting stuff happening today. My guest today, Andy Schisler from SNW Trading. Uh, Andy, we've had you on the show several times. I don't know if you and I have spoken directly or not. I'm absolutely glad you've taken the time to be here with us today, sir. No, it's good to be here. I We have not, actually, so uh, this will be a little so. new. That's all yeah, right. anything can happen today, brother. You never know. <laughs> well, uh, I especially... You know, yeah. <clears throat> so, speaking of Vegas, the last time I went to Vegas, I went to, with my brother. Uh-huh. We were gambling at the Paris Casino, and I lost 18 straight hands of blackjack. <laughs> now, were they, they were probably penny hands, though, right? You playing penny hands? 
they they were not. And uh, my brother was like, you're so bad. And, and so I, I finally hit on the 19th hand. And the, the dealer was making fun of me after the 13th loss in a row. <laughs> so my brother's like, here's the idea. So we go into the high rollers room. Uh-huh. And he's like, you put $100 on red or black. And I'm going to bet the opposite of whatever you do. Oh, there you and go. So, cause the minimum's a hundred. And so he put like a couple thousand. So I put it on red and he put a couple thousand on black. And mm-hmm. of course it was black. Oh, sure. <laughs> Playing the strangles <laughs> he is what the you're doing there. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's cool. You've been, you've been traveling and I just, I, I don't know if you want to talk about it or not business or pleasure, but, but you did get in late last night and we're, we're good enough to agree to come on the show uh, this afternoon. First thing. So I, I really appreciate it, Andy. No, it's cool. I was in Puerto Rico, so it's like Florida, stuff different. <laughs> it is. You know, I hear that about Canada too. It's just like Florida, only different. <laughs> uh, I guess one of the, one of the big things here. Maybe we can start here. It, it's a bit of a clumsy segue, but the South American weather, dude. It's it's too wet in this part. It's too dry in that part. It's too hot for any of the water to stick. Um, the market seems to be paying very close attention to this whole thing i I don't know i think anybody concerned about another you know about a record brazilian crop should probably settle down a little bit what do you think at least for the next crop year yeah yeah i mean that's probably true like it's it's unusual because i pay for private weather service and stuff like that and we all look Mm -hmm. at maps and whatnot but uh i can't remember like in november really paying that much attention to like South American weather before. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think probably the reason for that is you had, you know, in the Amazon, it's like about as dry as they had recorded history on. And it's like, it's so unusual. Like a lot of these weather patterns we get around the planet, whether it's mm-hmm. Australia or it's Argentina for two years. And, and then like where it should always rain, it wasn't raining. Just, I don't yeah. know. I'm not sure what that takes away from a crop at this point, but I'm sure it matters. I, mm-hmm. I can say it, it probably gets better and doesn't, and probably rains. And but one thing that we see is like a lot of the humid human mass that's been going over northern Brazil. I don't think a lot of rain's been falling out of it, mm-hmm. even though it's kind of been mm-hmm. forecasted to, to be so. And, and maybe that changes. Um, but man, they've been getting dumped on in southern Brazil. So there's definitely some stuff going on down there. Well, yeah, and. Maybe maybe just the paper cut effect, you know, all these these little nicks, you know, different kinds of nicks up north and up south, but nicks just the same tend to cut into that yield eventually. Yeah, I think people are reducing their yield and their uh, overall stocks for sure at this point, mm-hmm. like 10 million metric tons or something. But they're basically taking a record away, um, which is probably true. And it would matter if it, if it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of South American weather, um, Central America, that Panama Canal thing is really becoming a, a big deal. You got anything on the Panama Canal? I mean, speaking of the dryness down down south. Yeah, I, I mean, we saw that here on the Mississippi. It's just like these things flare up, and I couldn't. I mean, I can believe it because it happened, but, mm-hmm. man, it was really hot in Brazil, and, like, really really hot and argentina was that way last year and i I just think yeah i mean we can see shifts so the panama can get better um that's for sure but these things tend to lag you know when they happen right um for quite quite a while so yeah um okay 
take me over to the uh let's see let's let's start at the soy complex i'm watching meal and oil and neither of these jokers seems to know what they're doing one day we've got meal higher we got oil lower and then they flip the next day uh and beans are just kind of riding the froth above this here what do you make of the current setup in the soy complex you know it is weird um but they take turns because mm -hmm. I mean I've been trading for twenty five years I guess and they used to generally go in the same direction and there are smaller contracts add together and then they make up the beans but they don't do that anymore and it's like this move in meal was really strong considering it's at harvest and I'd been long meal below four hundred thinking that you know a layup trade that we'd trade over 400 with little ease this year. Then it did. And it was really quick, but I wasn't sure which one would do which when and it's like, mm -hmm. I usually just stay with the soybeans and trade those. Right. But I traded a lot of uh, bean oil this year and, and a lot of meal. And I've been doing the meal oil spreads too, because they get so out of whack. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the next one comes to bean oil and I'm long bean oil from 50 down to 48. Um, and I think it's going to go up into the 60s pretty easily and pr and probably into the 70s. Mm -hmm. um, and like you were saying, with some of the biodiesel coming on, <clears throat> I feel like we've got this bean oil position I'm going to keep for a while and, and for a couple of reasons. And, mm -hmm. and one of them would be feels a little bit like when ethanol was coming on, you know, many years ago. Mm -hmm. And so there was kind of a push higher in corn uh, as all these plants were coming and getting the bushels and, and all of a sudden it was just a lot tighter than you would have thought. And we did that eight dollar market from it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I sort of think the setup of beet oil is not quite that massive as I mean, we put a lot of ethanol plants on back then, but I, mm -hmm. I think it's the perfectly wrong year for this to happen because we had prevent plant for a couple of years in corn. And so then the acres want to go back to corn very badly. And they did. So then we missed the acres on beans. So, so they're kind of left out this year mm. on one of the years when, when you needed the acres. So it would have been a much better to have a nice split. But I think that's why you're seeing the volatility in the products early. Mm -hmm. It's like we're selling soy meal overseas, you know, out of here. And then this bean oil is going to be domestic, but you're going to, we saw a record crush, mm -hmm. um, you know, last month. And that's not going to go away. And I, I feel like we're going to be, really tight on soybean stocks this year and i think bean oil is going to be one of the ones that really pays off mm -hmm. so last year bean oil rallied first and went really high i think it went up into the 90s or right up there and then the meal market went to record highs after that so they're they're a few months apart but they both did their big moves mm -hmm. and so i think we're going to see some of that and i think beans this is when the most beans are going to be available right now and we seem to be exporting a pretty good amount of them and china's really picked up the pace here you know recently mm -hmm. so i really like the bean complex for the next six to eight months like a lot um we i think it's going to perform well it's going to perform well on breaks mm -hmm. and uh like i say i'm usually not long soybean oil but i'm yeah. a lot of it well when you talk about worse. that yeah right uh you never know um the right. meal oil spread terrible. trade. You talked about meal and oil kind of being out of whack, and we I don't have a ton of time here to ask you a question like this. But um, as a as a trader, as a spread trader, do you find that even though they go and they sort of get out of whack sometimes, that 
the the oil and the meal act as though they should eventually and that's that's where the trade is or is it just completely across the board everything's a little wacky in the complex they they've been flipping so mm-hmm. like so like we're seeing like we spread chart it what is it three to two or uh, whatever it is but yeah. um anyway it tends to go too far on each side and and mm-hmm. so like that's what i've been putting it on <clears throat> so we recently sold the meal and, and bought the oil here and it will go too far to the other side and then that's where you get out but it's not yeah. been finding a medium ground and maybe it will eventually yeah i doubt it though because i think the bean oil side is going to blow out the top side of that spread here later on this year mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well it's it's certainly demonstrated its propensity for volatility um on the yeah see and i gotta feel like when we're talking about crush capacity and maybe we can get into this around the other other side of this upcoming break here a lot of talk about uh soybean crush capacity and you know what that might mean for acreage for domestic stocks domestic use i almost feel like and and maybe the uh, soy complex between the mean meal and the oil is the perfect example i gotta feel like maybe producers will overshoot on bean plantings for a while I don't know. We'll see what Andy Schisler makes of that idea here coming up just next. Your pal Davis Michelson on AgriTalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes, where March HRW wheat futures were 21 and one quarter cents higher, 617 and three quarters. March SRW wheat gained 11 cents to 572. March corn futures softened one and three quarter cents to 473 and one half. May corn dipped three quarters to 486. January soybean futures 16 and three quarters higher at 1346 and one half. March beans gained 16 and a half to 1364 and three quarters. March corn, uh, March cotton, excuse me, 34 points higher, 7960 on your livestock. December fat cattle up 287 and one half, 171.65. Jan feeders up $8.25 to 221. 05. December lean hogs a buck five higher, 68.92 and one half. And February up 210 to close at 69.02 and one half. Get more market news every market day. Try profarmer.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. Sometimes they talk about it with me. 
I'm your pal Davis Michelson behind the big green leafy microphone. Chip is wheels up for Las Vegas. We will hear from him uh, on the ground. He'll be reporting live from Las Vegas tomorrow morning. We'll be looking forward to that. Be sure you tune in 10.06 Central Time for more AgriTalk. Uh, my guest today, Andy Schussler. Uh, Andy, we were deep in a conversation about soybeans um, at the risk of dwelling. Um, can we just talk just a little bit more about this oncoming crush capacity? And I got to feel like producers, as you said they did with corn in the last couple of years, I think there's risk that pr- producers may overshoot on bean plantings for a while. What do you make of that? I think there needs to be a happy medium that we move back to because <clears throat> really most producers, a lot of them want to be like 50, 50. And I think weather has like taken that out of it. And so I think we move closer to that regardless of, mm-hmm. of the soybean setup, but price will probably take care of some of that too, because mm-hmm. there's not very much money in the corn at this point. And we, we, we tend to do this. And I, I think we'll, move towards more bean acres this year mm-hmm. unless there's you know weather or whatnot but i mean it definitely is going to lean towards more beans i think and um <clears throat> i would say so so this year is the bullish bean year and then next year corn has more legs and is a mm-hmm. better market as you've seen the corn market's been pretty poor and really like man i mean it's one of the flattest uh, price moves that I that I've seen and I can't remember the last time we spent so many weeks. Oh yeah, in such gross. a tight small range, you know, yeah. at the low. Yeah, like what 16, 17 weeks, and it's all been the same. And like mm-hmm. even when you got a pretty good move in soybeans off Brazilian weather, yeah, the core market nudged up, kind of, but but not really. Um, so, man, I think we're going to be dealing with that for a while. And yeah. uh, I feel like producers have mostly sold the soybeans and they're selling that for money. Mm-hmm. And they're putting the, the corn away and storing it. And our infrastructure is good enough to handle most of it. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what's really going to put a blanket on the corn market. Yeah. And I think we'll see higher bean prices in the spring even. And then those new crop beans could be pretty good. And so it'll be enticing you know, to get them hedged. Um, make mm-hmm. good numbers because I think they'll be there, and I think it'll pick up the acres doing so. Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't mind being patient, leaving the upside open on soybeans? No, I really like the upside on soybeans, and 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 that said, so first notice day, everything's going to be rolled tomorrow, and then Friday's or Thursday's first notice day, and so this is December contracts for corn and wheat. Mm-hmm. So one of the bigger bigger contracts of the year, December and July. And this is probably the biggest. So you have, so you have a lot of your old longs are in December. And so you get like an exodus from this contract on this roll. Okay. And so anybody's going to give up on it. Um, and you have all those options. You had a lot of December options that, that all went off already. And it's like, so this is kind of like the big purge. And it's like, I'm friendly, the corn market starting tomorrow. And I think it will rally. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> sounds crazy. I mean, I'm not bullish corn, but I think it's going to go up. That sounds and... a little nutty, Andy. But let's talk about that. What? So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So this is kind of weird, but so like we're talking, you guys are talking about cattle and stuff. And, and yeah. I, I think to a degree, fundamentals matter. Um, but 
you talk about fund position size and what's going on. So, so what happened with feeder cattle in the last couple of weeks? Well, the, the feeder cattle were at a place where it was never going to go down ever again. Right. Which we all know isn't true. And they're at the highest price they've ever been. And eventually they're going to get knocked off their block. And, and it happened. So they go down. And when they go down, it's always worse than you think. And, and the funds had piled into all those long contracts at the high part of the market. And they piled into all those long cattle contracts, lives, high part of the market. Mm-hmm. And what happened? Once it starts going down, they start spinning out of their positions. And they were completely liquidated out of all longs and feeder cattle. Mm. <clears throat> so I think that's why okay. it abruptly stopped on the break yeah. after yesterday. Because we spun them out of any longs there were. They were down to they're probably negative short a little bit on the cleanup. Mm-hmm. And so that it, it bounces really hard today. You're like, how can that happen? Well, like anybody that's long is gone and it was all a loser too. And so, so what are the funds doing in corn? They have piled into 210,000 shorts and almost all of that is below 480 on the futures. Uh-huh. So in this, the bottom 20, 30 cents of the market here, the majority of their position is short and all it has to do is nudge up against them. And, it, and it's all losers. It's like it can really go the other way quickly as they, they pile into these positions. So like mm-hmm. the corn is at, in real jeopardy of popping to the upside here and, and taking them out. Will it happen? It, it should. And it should happen in wheat too. But they're probably short 210 or sorry, 110, 115,000 futures. Mm-hmm. It's got to pop here somewhere. And, and like I say, it's all shorted in the bottom. So yeah. it's it's yeah. it's to the long's advantage at this point. I can't imagine it doesn't happen. That's all. Okay. Okay. Well, and I was going to ask you about a catalyst for corn, and I think that definitely qualifies. I guess my my follow-up question would be, that almost seems like the sort of thing that would be worth rewarding and taking advantage of because it might be a little bit short-lived. Fair? Yeah, I would say, so this December contract is going to go off, and so yeah. we'll be working with the March. And so you've got, a good month of December potentially and into January and then February, you could see something similar to what we saw here, unless like South American weather is really tough mm-hmm. and say Argentina turns dry or Southern Brazil flips, you know, and goes the other way. Yeah. Um, but February is usually a tough month and usually it'll liquidate out a little bit into the March roll as well. So, mm-hmm. but we're so low and like today's, Corn prices below the cost of production. It's like I like to own things that are below the cost of what it produces at. And uh, I, I think that's where we are. So I see the downside is flat mm-hmm. and the upside is 60 cents, I would say, you know, realistically. Yeah. So how would you Which work? would be small in, yeah. in the overall volatility that we've seen in markets for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you, how do you reckon a farmer best, best, takes advantage of what we're talking about here i think you need to sell cash corn on rallies and Mm -hmm. like i i'm a proponent of being sold out of corn and holding you know the beans that i can um but i think you want to make your corn go away i mean on rallies and you'll get them yeah they may not be great but it should get overbought at some point here and that's going to be a pretty good place to to get out of some stuff. 
mm-hmm. I caught a cold on the airplane going down to Puerto Rico. <laughs> so, oh, you sound fine. You got a great voice for radio. <laughs> I'm okay, but it's just like, <laughs> oh man, got to catch a cold on an airplane. So, right, right. Um, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll cut you loose before too long here. Um, no, it's but, good. We're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, uh, move us. Can we move over to the hogs for just a second? Um, they seem like an easy buy to me with a price in the sixties. I'm um, looking at let's let's go to the Fab. Call it sixty nine, um, and a little bit more. Uh, are we seeing a recovery begin to take shape here in the hog market? Man, I don't know on that one. I don't know if the timing is right or not, but gosh, if I'm hogs with a six handle feels cheap to me. Am I wrong? It it definitely does, but this is the classic case of pigs for you. So <laughs> so we look at. and then we go to June pigs that are 90. Mm -hmm. And it's just, they do this all the time in that Feb contract. I've stricken it from the books of ever trading it. Really? Just you know. Yes. <laughs> okay. This is good to know. Like, it, it, it has a tendency to, it, sure, it can rally. And I hope it does. Mm-hmm. But like usually, um, so, so the uh, beast contract, there's not much time left on that. But man, Feb hogs seem like a lot of bad things have happened. And like mm-hmm. they'll break and never rally. And I don't, I think that'll be different this time that we can maybe get a couple one, two, three rallies there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't like the price structure to where you're paying. I'm buying the rally that's that's already built in in June. Then like feeders are this way too. So like Jan feeders are 221. And then go to like October of next year, they're 250. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's really a bad contract to be long. And so it's like, it makes, to me, it becomes a stay away. I, I think it can go into the mid seventies and it should mm-hmm. as it bottomed. And I, and really we could be entering the tail end of this interest rate cycle thing where the commodities get a little better. And so oh, hogs would be one that yeah. would greatly benefit from that. Okay. So we're going to back these interest rates off and the bond market already bottomed. It's like, it's been heading up and the dollar's been headed down. And so I think some of these other things are going to get some traction that are cheap, like pigs, like wheat and like corn. Mm-hmm. I think that's all there to be done. And so we're how many months into the interest rate cycle. And, and I think we've topped out there. And, and I think the way that the fed and the sector of treasury have been talking it's got to mm-hmm. change, yeah. um, you know, the way that it's going here. And, and it is changing. So, like, I'm, I think you want to be more positive commodities in, in general. So that's why I, I yeah. think it can rally, but I wouldn't trade pigs for February at all. Andy Schisler, I'm going to I'm gonna cut you loose with that because now I do feel very positive. I appreciate it, man. That's, that's a very well thought <laughs> out, uh, very well thought out look at the uh, the markets. I really appreciate it, Andy. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, that's great. Good to be on. Get you some chicken soup and some sleep, brother, will you? Uh, I'm good. (laughs) All right. That's Andy Schisler from SNW Trading, everyone. Uh, If if we've still got Michelle Rook around, I do want to talk to her just a little bit, uh, and then we'll we'll look at what the the weather in Alaska is going to be like. I mean, you never know. And I got all these Speedos to try out. Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson here. Uh, I've got Michelle Rook with me as well. Michelle, are you? Have we got Michelle? You bet. Come on I'm in still here. here. Come on in here. I got a question I'm for you. I'm in here. All right. Okay. Um... Nice to have you around today. I really appreciate you taking the time because um, I know you've got bigger things to do than be fiddling around with our little radio show here. But while I've got you, okay? Um, now, that's not true before you go any further. So. <laughs> All self-deprecation aside, um, had a conversation with the wife. You know, the holidays are coming right up. I don't know if you noticed or not, but they're on their way. And you know what she said to me? Let's not get anything for each other this year. Let's just hey, share I like her idea. Help me with that. Um, is that really what she meant by that? Am I going to show up on Christmas morning with nothing and then uh, spend 2024 in the doghouse? What do you think? You know, I don't know your wife well enough to be able to answer that question. She's that a is the way person. I am. Uh huh. Uh huh. I, I mean, I okay. have been that way in relationships for a long time. I mean, yeah. by the time yeah. you get past 30, you're like, what can you possibly give each other? Everybody's exactly. got everything. Yeah. And so why bother? So just buy mm-hmm. stuff for the kids and don't worry about each other. So oh, if she perfect. said that, I can't believe she didn't mean that because I don't think she'd say something she didn't mean, would she? I don't think so either. I don't think so either. Like, especially that one time when she said I do, she seemed to mean that, you know. <laughs> She's a woman of her word. <laughs> well, you uh, you had the reins. You were behind the big green leafy microphone of AgriTalk this morning, and you had some really good discussions. And I just wondered if maybe we could could go over some of those just a little bit. Um, one in particular that is outside of my Venn diagram was a conversation with Shauna Morris from the National Milk Producers Federation. Uh, last week, a, a USMCA dispute panel allowed Canada to continue restricting dairy access that the U.S. negotiated for under the agreement. Um, was it two of three on the panel ruled in favor of Canada continuing to restrict dairy access? Um, boy, Shauna sure had a lot to say about this, didn't she? Well, it's a really complex subject for those of yeah. you in the dairy world. You know that. Um, but the, it was surprising because it overturned the previous ruling. And, of course, they had, you know, been to court already once or the um, the three-body or the appellate court or whatever they call it in the USMCA panel. Right. 
they had already been to court. They had already ruled that Canada was wrong and they did not uphold their end of the agreement. And even though market access is small, they were not providing it. And so we went to task with them again. And this is what we get, an opposite ruling. So it was very interesting, um, her take on why they did that. And now what do we go do going forward? Because USTR right. has to make a decision on, you know, what kind of legal recourse do we have moving forward now? Because you just mm -hmm. can't let it go. If there were a dispute between the U.S. and Mexico, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you know or not. Um, would it be the same panel that that dispute appears before if we have words with Mexico? Well, do I'm we assuming the dispute settlement panel is, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It, I mean, we do that sort of um, panel every time we have a dispute, but I don't know if it's always the same people yeah. all the time or if it just rotates because mm -hmm. WTO does the same thing. That one kind of rotates around. So that's right. an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, and we also spoke with Jeff Cooper um, about some ethanol stuff. A coalition representing farmers and ethanol producers has responded to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals decision to remand the rejection of six small refinery exemption requests to the U.S. EPA, the coalition expressed disappointment. We had Jeff Cooper from the Renewable Fuels Association this morning, didn't we? Yeah, and the thing I thought was a little surprising was that he said that this actual appellate court, the 5th District, is not a big deal, that there are bigger fish to fry in bigger court cases, and so they just are going to continue to work this through the court system because there have been a lot of small refinery exemptions that have been given to big, big oil um, producers or refiners that probably shouldn't have got them prior. And it just takes, it erodes market shares, what it does for U.S. ethanol. Absolutely. And we cannot afford to have any more of that market share eroded. And I mean, Jeff's been, Jeff's been preaching the same message. Hey, look, you want to, we have a way to clean up tailpipe emissions. Why are we not leaning into that? That's been the discussion for quite some time now. Yeah, I mean, it's already there. The market's already developed. Right. The product's already developed. So why are we mm -hmm. trying to reinvent the wheel? Or at least let's include it as part of the wheel. So Right. It certainly seems like it makes sense. Um, let's go to the National Weather Service Climate Prediction Center. This is your 6 to 10 day out. Is that updated? Yes, updated today. This will get you through December 4th to the 8th. Um, Alaska. Below normal temperatures in the uh, southwestern portions, above normal temperatures expected in the north of Alaska. Interesting there. As far as the uh, contiguous United States, we've got above normal temperatures. In fact, the red on here is like leaning toward pink. It's, it's going to be hot in the central uh, part of the country and out west. That line is going to extend about out to the eastern line of Ohio. It kind of bisects Kentucky and then heads down and moves uh, moves off in Texas. The only place where we've got below normal temperatures in the 6 to 10 days is in Florida. My parents will love to hear that. Precipitation in the next 6 to 10 days looks like above normal in uh, in the top corners. So your main area and then around in Washington and Oregon, we're looking for above normal precip. And it kind of fades out into the Dakotas and into the uh, eastern Corn Belt from there. Below normal precipitation expected over uh, the Texas Panhandle in particular. The the map looks very similar here on the 8 to 14 day. It's just everything is sort of shifted eastward. We get that gnarly bright pink above uh, temperature outlook expected through right through the gut slot of the Corn Belt. 
and then on precipitation we're above normal let's see mostly through the uh oh, the northern plains there and into northeastern iowa it might even get into chips neck of the woods below normal precip continues uh in uh, in the southwest especially in texas michelle rook thank you once again so much for hey, taking so much. the time it's it's been great to have you today and i and i look forward to a time when we can work together again chip will be back tomorrow live from las vegas i don't know what he's cooking up but uh when when he goes on these little missions he's always got something good and so i hope that you will tune back in tomorrow morning 1006 central time so for big apple joe stackler Michelle Rook and myself, the handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Thanks for tuning into Agritalk today. Come back tomorrow morning. Agritalk.